That's quite the introduction by Pastor Brent. I'm so glad you're here. You see, I don't think you're here by accident today, right? We've been praying about this moment. We've been working on this moment. And no one is here by accident. No one is listening to this message by accident. So first off, I want to welcome the people down at Shaw. Can we give it up for Shaw really quick? Also, Acker Park Nursing Home, uh, Stepping Into the Light Ministries, we love you. Anyone watching online around the world, we're thankful that you joined in today. Uh, I think that the Lord has put a message on my heart that is just for you today. Do you know how lucky you are to be led by Pastor Brent and Rebecca Rome? Like, whoo, I've been on staff. I've been on staff for three months, and they have just give. They give, and they give, and they give. They love people. They love the Lord. And they want people to, to know Jesus. And they want to see this church family, this region, and the world transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. And that's the same mission that I'm on. That's the same mission that many of us are on today. And I'm so thankful that they are leading the charge. They're out in front of us. They are passionately pursuing Jesus. I'm also thankful for all the volunteers. I get the opportunity to work with volunteers all the time. So many people that make this happen people who pray for you, people who love you, people who encourage you. This is a very special church home, and it's one that we love to call home uh, for our family. I also want to give a shout out, another shout-out to Jackson Camarado. Can we give it up for Jackson last week? If you haven't listened to his message, Jackson is passionate about the Lord. He wants people to know Jesus. He wants people to be transformed by Jesus, and he's impacting his area his circle of influence, his college campus, and he's one of many people in their 20s that I've had the opportunity to work with that are on that same path, right? They want to see the world different. They don't want to see the world the same as it is right now. They want to see it transformed, and they know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light to do that. So I am so thankful to be a part of this church body. I think that there's a, a pertinent message for each and every one of us this morning if we would just open our hearts, our minds, and our our souls to what Jesus has for us today. So I'm thankful for this opportunity. We should pray. Lord, this is your work, not ours. Uh, we are a part of it. We are thankful to be a part of it. We're thankful that you brought us here, not by accident, but by design, that this is all a part of your plan, that you knew this beforehand, that you knew us before we were made. Lord, help prepare our hearts, our minds, and our souls for the word today, and let let this word just resonate in our soul. Let us be different today when we leave here than when we came in. And all the people said, amen, amen. So as Pastor Brent said uh, in, in, in the intro video, which was so kind of him, uh, Mosley and I, uh, my wife, we have a 10-month-old. We also have one on the way, which is just such an exciting season of life. Uh, it's been life-changing. It's been fantastic, though. Um, and one of the things that uh, we just love as a family, and we committed to this before we had kids, we said, we love the world. We love the people in the world. We want to, to see and explore and learn about the world and the people in it. And we really value traveling as a part of that. So we committed to, before we had kids, to traveling, to not changing that, to just bring them along. And we have. And it's been one of the most influential things in, in our own personal lives, and we believe so for our kids, too. So as... Before we met, travel was important. Seeing the world was important. And one of the things that I did in my previous career was a teacher. I had three months off. 
Now, a little side note, three months off really just means you work extra hard, double hard, nine months, and then you get like a quick breather, and then you come back and you do it again, right? So amen to all the teachers out there, educators. Yes, yes. Everyone who thinks it's just three months off and you only work nine months out of the year, I know that not to be true, okay? So in my, in my previous time as a teacher, I had this time off, and I decided I was going to travel. Not a lot of my friends were teachers, so they couldn't travel. They couldn't just, like, go somewhere for a month. But I decided if, if I have that time off, I might as well take advantage of that. And so I started traveling by myself. And when I think back to that, I think back to the time I took my first solo trip. Woo! Yeah. It was, it, it was to El Salvador, right? Who's been to El Salvador? All right. Yeah. So I, I decided, I was like, I'm going to make this a little easier. I'm going to do a, a short-term mission trip there. And then I'm going to tack on two extra weeks. So while I'm already in the country, I'll just, I'll just travel, I'll backpack, I'll do my thing, and I'll see what the, the rest of the country has to offer outside of that short-term experience. So as, as we go through this week, you know, we're drilling a freshwater well, we're in a community. The, the organization I was working with, their, their tagline was, fresh, clean water in Jesus' name. Like, <laughs> we had an incredible, life-changing experience in one short week. Right? We're living in the community. We're drilling a freshwater well. At the end of that week, we celebrate with the community, and like water is just pouring out of this well. It's this like really holy moment. And then everyone else got in a van. They headed to the airport back to the States, right? back to the comfort of home. I hopped in a taxi and went to the busiest bus station in San Salvador, the capital. And I figured that I could just figure it out. Naive, maybe naive. Uh, I was like, how, how bad can it be, you know? I don't know Spanish. That was also a barrier. <laughs> Highly recommended if you're traveling to a country uh, that speaks Spanish. And so I, I get dropped off, and I know where I'm supposed to go, but I don't know how to get there. I don't know what bus to take. I walk in, and I'm instantly overwhelmed. So bus stations in, in El Salvador are just, they're different, right? It's primary mode of transportation. It's like an airport on steroids, right? Like everyone's like bustling by. Everyone knows where, seemingly knows where they're going. And if you don't, you're just kind of standing there like oh, everybody else knows where they're going. So the hustle and bustle is going by me. I have no idea where I'm going. I try to, to translate my French to Spanish. That doesn't work for any direction. And I am just feeling so lost. So I'm just standing there. Everyone's bustling by me. And I'm just like, I kind of like curl over. I'm kind of sick to my stomach. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. Uh, and I just stayed there for a second. I've never felt so lost in my life. I've never felt so helpless, hopeless. It's like, I don't know how this is all going to work out. And so I just want to take a moment. I want you to turn and talk to some people around you. When was the time that you felt lost? If you're at Shaw, if you're online, if you're online, maybe toss that in the chat. When was the time that you felt lost, helpless? and talk to each other.
All right, that was just a quick turn and talk. Thanks, thanks for indulging in that moment, uh, sharing something, some time when you felt lost. Um, maybe it wasn't in a foreign country. Maybe it wasn't in the wilderness. I've been lost. I felt lost in both. Maybe it was something a little bit more personal. You see, maybe you lose a job, you lose the marriage, someone close to you passes away or is no longer in your life. You get broken up with, you fail a test, you move to a new city, you know no one. You, move, you, you change jobs, and now you're kind of restarting. You get betrayed by someone. I could go on and on. A global pandemic disrupts everything, and then you try to, like, come out of that? Like, how does that work? Anybody have trouble with that? I do. Still do. So, see, when you feel, you feel this lost, uh, you need something outside of yourself. You need a guidepost, a sign, something, someone. And someone who cares about you is the best option. Someone who wants the best for you. And if you're someone who finds yourself lost from time to time, I have good news for you today. There is a good shepherd who wants to lead the way, who wants to show the way, who says, follow him and he'll show you the way, the better way. Because being lost is not a, a, a contemporary circumstance. It's not, a, it's not a new thing for us. You see, people have been feeling lost for thousands of years. And I'm so glad that Jesus came to be the someone to help us find our way. Listen to the words he spoke to his people 2,000 years ago. John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. See, Jesus calls himself the shepherd. He calls us the sheep, and we're to follow him. This language isn't new uh, to Jesus. It's throughout his ministry. Let me remind you a few times that this happened. Uh, when he was calling some of the first disciples, Simon Peter and Andrew, two brothers, he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. When he encountered the rich young ruler, he said, the, the rich young ruler asked, how do I gain salvation? How do I gain eternal life? And Jesus said, sell all your things, give to the poor, then come follow me. He says to all of us today, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. See, over and over throughout Scripture, Jesus calls him, calls us to follow him. And that's what we're called to today. Now, I want to give a little quick straw poll, quick raise your hand if this applies to you. Raise your hand if you've, if you've been a shepherd of sheep, like real sheep. <laughs> what? Uh? Raise your hand if you know anyone who's been a shepherd of real sheep. Okay, so when we... When we hear something like this in scripture, cultural context matters a ton, right? Like we're like sheep shepherding. Okay, what, what does that mean? To the audience he was speaking to, this would have made a ton of sense culturally, regionally, right? They knew shepherds, they knew sheep, uh, and they knew what was going on. So let me just give you a quick crash course on sheep and shepherd. 
sheep. Sheep are known as, amongst domesticated animals, like the most hopeless, for lack of better, like the dumbest animals. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of known, like, one, one thing, that, one thing that, I, that I read was they don't have a homing instinct, right? You hear these stories about dogs. Like, dogs will run away for, like, five years and then all of a sudden re- return home. They find their way home somehow. That's the homing instinct. Sheep don't have that. If they're lost, they're lost till somebody goes and gets them, amen? Like, they're, they're lost. And so I want to spend more time talking about the love of a good shepherd, right? Less about how dumb the sheep are. More about how good a loving shepherd is. You see, shepherds are providers. They're guides. They're, they're companions of the sheep. They spend day and night with the sheep. They say that even today, shepherds, they'll, multiple shepherds will bring their flocks to a well, and the sheep will intermingle, and then each shepherd will be able to call their sheep by name and separate them out and go their, go their separate ways. That's how close the bond is between sheep and shepherd. You see, shepherds were inseparable from their flocks, and the shepherd would lead the flock to, to better pastures. They'd lead them to water sources. There was a dependency for sheep on the shepherd. So in other words, if sheep are to flourish, they need to be close to the shepherd, right? They're dependent. And Jesus wants, Jesus wants you to follow him closely so you can flourish. Again, listen to his words. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you follow him closely, you learn his voice. When you follow him closely, you learn his voice. You see, I didn't grow up around sheep, but I did grow up around cows. And I grew up on a, on a farm. My dad and grandpa farmed, and they, they had cattle. So they had, they had a, a, a herd of cows, not a flock of cows, but a herd of cows. And one day, one day as a child, my dad asked me, will you help me move these cows to a different pasture, a fresh pasture? And in my mind, I'm like, is this a question or is this a statement? Everyone knows that's a statement. Like, you can't say no to that. Like, what else do I have better to do than, than to go help uh, with what he's asking me to do? And in my mind, when he asked me to go help move the herd, I, the first thing I thought of is, we're going to, like, it's going to be this really, like, manly thing. Like, we're going to, like, walk up and, like, like strong arm them. We're maybe going to grab a couple other people. The dogs are going to help. And we're just going to, like, force these cows into the new pasture. That was in my mind. And what was in my mind is not, is so far from what happened. You see, my dad, uh, he laid out the game plan to me, which I'm very thankful for. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab the bucket of grain, and I'm going to walk. And I'm going to call them. You see, they know my voice. And he turns to me, and he goes, don't talk. (laughs) (laughs) Because, see, if you talk, it's going to confuse them. They don't know your voice. They know my voice. he's He's like, just go along with me. They know my voice, so they're going to follow me. And what does he do? He picks up the bucket of grain. He starts calling them in his unique call. And what do they do? Their ears perk up and they start following him to the new pasture. You see, they knew his voice. They trusted his voice. This wasn't the first time he had called them, right? There was a familiarity. They knew, they knew that where he was leading them is where they needed to go. There was a trustworthiness that to the new pasture was the best for them. So 
that's the image that Jesus is getting at. He's not getting at this image of forcing, strong-arming, poking, prodding. That's not the image. He's given the image that my father gave me of what it's like to follow. They know his voice. And so when you get close to the shepherd, you learn his voice. Now, I have never heard the audible voice of God. That's never happened for me. But I have learned that the closer I get to Jesus, the more I know his voice. The more I'm in here, the more I know his voice, right? This is how he speaks to us. And if I think something's from God, here's the litmus test. Does it agree here? If it disagrees with this, it's not from God. It's from some other shepherd who's trying to lead you astray, who's not leading you to the greener pastures, right? So we have to be in the word. We have to know his voice and what it says, or else we're going to be led astray. So that's how we can get close to the shepherd. This is step one. We have to know what's in here. We have to know what he says and what he promises. And that's, that's our grid in which we look at, look at situations through. So where is Christ calling you to follow him more closely today? That's the question. Maybe it's in your career. I just went through this. For nine months, I searched, sought, tried to find out what that next move was. Was it in the same career field? Was it a completely different one? I felt lost, and I sought direction. I sought that divine direction, and he delivered on it. He made it abundantly clear. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe you're at a pivotal point in the relationship. You're not sure where to go, what to do. You're feeling a little lost, uncertain, unlevel ground. Maybe it's in spiritual life or with finances. You see, these are all really big decisions. And the bigger the decision, the bigger the discernment, right? The bigger the seeking of the Lord and the bigger of the decisions. There's a correlation there, right? See, I've been there. I've, I've been in all these situations recently. Right? This is not like a, I was there in the past and now I'm good and now I'm, yeah, let me, let me preach to you about that. That's not the case at all. It's a constant, right? It's a constant rhythm. So let me encourage you, if you follow him, if you seek his voice, if you hear his voice and you're led by him, your life's never going to be the same. Yeah. It ain't going to be the same. There's no way it can be the same. You're going to be transformed because he spent his whole life serving, leaving, leading, and sacrificing for you. How could we ever be the same? Let's look again back to the passage, John 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. If you're a note taker, you can write this one down. Those who follow him belong to him. Those who follow him belong to him. You see, if you follow him, you're, you're with him. He's with you. It's a dual relationship. I got a question for you. Have you ever rented a car? Have you ever ridden with somebody who rented a car? How many of you know that it's different when you rent a car than if you own the car? Right? You don't mind if like a little coffee gets spilled on the, on the interior if it's a rental car. You maybe take it on roads. I was just talking to my uncle yesterday. He's like, I, I rented this Jeep and I took it off-roading. He's like, he's like, I was going faster than everyone. 
right? He took it on roads that he probably wouldn't have taken it on his own car. He went faster. He, he hit the brakes a little harder. He hit the gas a little more, right? You treat it differently when it's not your own. You don't worry about the little ding in the door, right? If it's your own, though, you, you treat it differently and you care more. You see, Jesus said, the sheep belong to me. I'm the shepherd. They're mine. So when bad things happen, when trouble comes, which is promised that it will come, he's not one to run and hide. He's one to stay and fight. He's not going anywhere. He's with you. That's the promise that he cares for the sheep. So let me encourage you today, if you're following Jesus, you belong to him. He's in it with you. He'll fight for you. He'll care for you. He'll feed you. He'll lead you. He'll lead you beside still waters and green pastures. He'll restore your soul, and nothing can snatch you from his hand, right? That is the promise that he gives, is that he is with you till the end. Now, right before this, all this shepherd references, he says something that, that kind of confuses readers, at least modern-day readers. You see, he's calling himself the shepherd, and we're like, okay, now we can understand that. Previously, he calls himself the door, though, so I do want to loop back to that in verse 7. You see, Jesus, in, in verse 7, he says, he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, get this, so that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. You see, Jesus came for a different reason. He didn't come to lead people astray. He came to lead them to the abundant life. You see, at first this is confusing when, when he says he's the door. I've read this passage before and I, I didn't understand it. But let's take a look at, an, at a sheep pen. Can we put that sheep pen up? You notice that there's not a door. There's an opening. No door, right? No, no door on the hinge. When Jesus says he is the door... At night, especially, what would happen is someone would sit in this opening and guard the door, right? Because there's wild animals outside. We want to keep the sheep inside, keep them safe. We want to keep the animals and the threats outside. So when Jesus says he's the door, he's saying he's the one who's there. He's also saying he's the door, not a door. Whole nother sermon. Whole nother sermon. He's the door, not a door. Uh, So when he's saying this, he's saying he's lying across this. He's the protector. He keeps the sheep in, in safety, protects them. He keeps the enemy out. And anything that anyone or anything that comes through that entrance has to come through him. Like pretty hard to climb up the side of that without getting noticed by the entryway. So what he's saying here is, He's going to lay down his life for you. The good shepherd lays down his life for you. You see, he's, if he's at the, at the entrance, and this is, this is kind of echoes of David as the shepherd, right? David fighting bears and lions and any threat. The good shepherd's willing to lay down his life for you, and anything that comes through that entrance has to come through him. He keeps the sheep in, the enemy out, and he does it with his own life. So today I want you to know that Jesus is the door. He's the shepherd lying across the way. The enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy can't get to you when Jesus is that doorway. 
when he's there, you belong to him. He's going to sacrifice everything for you. And he already did. Price paid. Sacrifice made. Right? He died for you to keep you out of the enemy's hand. So that's why he's called the good shepherd. And that's why sheep follow him so closely. Aren't you glad today that you have a shepherd that's going to do that for you? Who's willing to lay down his life for you? Who's willing to fight for you? Who's willing to call you into his story? Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to end with one of the strangest things that he says in this whole passage. Uh, let's look at verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. What's Jesus saying here? There's still room in the fold. There's still room in the fold. You see, if you're wandering today, you've lost your way. He wants you in his fold. There's still room. There's still people who belong to him who aren't there that he's calling in. And if you're here today or if you're listening today, you've already been called into that. It's your choice to make that, that next step, right? So there are sheep that belong to, me, to him that aren't in the fold, and he wants them all, right? This, this fold has no limits to it. So today, if you're not in the fold, we'd invite you to be in the fold. Jesus will be your provider, your protector, your guide, He'll do everything the good shepherd promises he'll do. Now, I think some of you probably have some objections, if we're human. And I just want to address a few of the objections because Jesus actually addressed a lot of those objections as well. Now, the first objection might be that I'm too flawed, I'm too broken, I've messed it up too much. I don't want to go too much into church ease here because this is a common thing that we hear. But I can tell you from personal experience that's not true. And if that's not enough for you, I would turn to the Apostle Paul that Jackson talked about last week. Paul was systematically going house to house, killing people who were following Jesus. I don't know about you, I'm not that bad, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, so if he's not too far gone, there's no way anyone else is too far gone, right? That's kind of the peak of where it, where it goes, is persecuting the people who love Jesus and follow Jesus. Now, another thing is maybe you have things you want to do or, or things you have other priorities. So you're like, I'll do this, and then I'll do this. Now, Jesus was very blunt, and I, I think that like burying a, burying a father is a pretty good reason to like put things on pause, personally. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. Like, he's not being heartless. What he's saying is, the ultimate priority is following me. If following me is not at the top of the priority list, it should be. The last objection is, maybe I have to get my act together. Jesus says, I'm not only the good shepherd, I'm the great physician. You see, you don't go to a physician most of the time if you're well. You go when you need help, when you need healing. And he's the great physician that will do the healing. He'll do the work. He says, come to me. I'll do that. So let me ask you, how much better would your life be if you're following Jesus with your whole life? Would you feel as anxious if you knew that Jesus was close by? Would you feel as lonely or as lost if you knew he was close by? Would it look different if you knew he was close by? The answer to all these is no. He'll be your guide. Now I want you to imagine what it would look like if the entire church family said, we're all in with Jesus. We're going all in. Where he goes, we go. Where he stays, we stay. Where he tells us to move, we move. 
that we are all in with him, that we're not going anywhere without his direction, that we are following him as the good shepherd. Can you imagine what this church family would look like if that was the case? I would see, a, I would see a, a homes looking way different. I would see friend circles looking way different. I would see communities transformed by the hope and the love and the peace and the joy that comes from doing that, not only individually, but together. Can you imagine what that would look like? That is my challenge to you. It's not just about us to say it's, it's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. It's about where God is leading us, not where we want to go. As sheep, we don't necessarily have that say, right? We want to follow the shepherd because the shepherd knows better than we know, right? He sees more than we see. And so that is the, the challenge is to follow the good shepherd because his way is higher. His thoughts are better. Now I want to finish the story from El Salvador because when, when I left off that story, I was in this position. Not sure if I was going to throw up, not sure what was going to happen. Feeling hopeless, helpless, lost. And so the only place that I could think to find refuge, anybody know? Church, bath, bathroom. Bathroom was where was closest. That was what was closest. So I went in the bathroom. I walked, <laughs> like, just in case I was going to throw up, I went to the bathroom to duel. And what I did uh, when I went to the bathroom, I just started crying. I just wept. Never felt so hopeless. I'm, I'm like, maybe people were right. Maybe I shouldn't have gone. Maybe I shouldn't have gone to this country. Maybe I should have learned Spanish. Maybe I should have done all these things. All these shoulda, woulda, coulda came up in my mind that people had told me. Maybe you shouldn't have done this alone. Right? If I would have had a companion, I at least would have felt a little bit better. So all these things just kind of kept coming, and I just, I wept. And then I got on my knees in a bathroom. <laughs> Risky move, but no other options. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I prayed a prayer that I had prayed before and that I have prayed since. And it was, it was a prayer of, of surrender. And here's how it went. I said, Lord, I know that you promise you're with me. Remember, I was just on a week-long trip, praising, worshiping, loving the Lord. I said, I know that you're with me. You promised me that. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I know that you see this big picture. I don't. I need you to lead me. See, I, I don't have, everything I've tried hasn't worked. I need you to lead me and make it abundantly clear which way to go and which way to turn. Like, I don't need guesswork. I don't need my own decisions anymore. I need it abundantly clear, the path. And I get up, and I walk out, and I, I walk out to a similar position to where I was earlier, but I'm, like, feeling a little bit better. And within one minute, uh, a college student named Luis walks up to me. You see, Luis was in college. He was studying English. He had learned English his whole life. And he was the first person that I had met in that station that, that knew English. And he walks up to me and he goes, you look lost. <laughs> and I laughed. I go, I absolutely am. I absolutely am lost. And he goes, well, where are you trying to go? And I, and I named the town. It's in a remote area, you know, not, not close to the city, a couple hours by bus away up in the mountains. And he just looked at me and he smiled. 
He said, I've got good news. I'm going there too. I live there. I'm actually taking the next bus there. And he goes, I'll ride the bus with you. Let me help you with your bags. I'll help you get to your accommodation that night. I won't leave you till you're there. Come follow me. Doesn't get much more abundantly clear than that, does it? You see, Luis is the, is the image of Christ Jesus. He meets us where we're at. He says, come follow me. He delivers on the promise. He delivered on all those promises and even more. You see, he was the way. He knew the route. He was the shepherd leading the sheep who needed leading. And he delivered on all of that. You see, following Jesus doesn't mean life's going to be easy. Isn't it funny? It's kind of quite the contrary, what Jesus promises. Look at John 16. There will be trouble. There will be tribulation. Take heart. Have peace. I've overcome the the world. Right? It's done. We know the end of the story. We live differently because of that. He's saying, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But I'm with you. And it's better with me with you than without me. Right? That is Jesus as the good shepherd. That is who is calling you to follow him. He is the one who fully sees you, fully knows you, all of your flaws, and fully loves you, which is incredibly hard to comprehend, but he's asking you to follow him today. If I could pray one last time. Lord, we're thankful and grateful for your mercy and your love and your grace. We're thankful that you came for us and that when we need a shepherd, you're there and you deliver beyond any expectations. That you love us despite anything we've done and that you call us to follow you. Help us to hear the sound of your voice. Help us to take a step today to know you more. It's in the mighty, wonderful powerful name of Jesus Christ that I pray these things. Amen. Amen.